Hey, Crossroads, Pastor Paul here. I want to ask you, what do you think of when you hear the word passion? You know, people get passionate about so many things. Some people are passionate about their favorite sports teams, like go Niners, go Warriors. Some people, they're passionate about politics. In this election season, they have some strong feelings about who should become president and who should lead our country. Some people are passionate about their coffee. Ooh, Starbucks. Gotta be Starbucks. Some parents are passionate about their children. Some people, they get passionate about their hobbies like playing golf or going to the gym. Some people are passionate about their pets. Uh, some people, when they think of the word passion, they think of young lovers who can't wait to sneak away and get a loving embrace. Kind of like me and Karen. So what do you think of when you hear the word passion? I, I wonder, how many of you thought about your faith? How many of you thought about your relationship to Jesus Christ? Are we as passionate about God and his call on our lives as we are about these other things? Why don't we have that passion for that? Well, some people are afraid, well, if I get passionate about God, I'm going to turn into a religious weirdo. Or, you know, my faith is kind of weak and it's really not strong enough to say I have this passion. But what would it look like for you if you became passionate about your faith in Jesus Christ and God's great calling on your life? That's what we're looking at today. Well, good morning, Crossroads. So good to see you. I got to tell you, I've been fired up about this talk for the last few weeks. We're wrapping up this series on Acts. I'm so excited about what we're talking about today, passion for the mission. And really, passion for the mission comes from our passion for God. So I hope you're going to follow along and take some notes with me. My name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. And you know, Paul tells that question, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about in your life? I mean, I love to do things outside. I love to go hiking. I love to play golf. Doesn't mean I'm good at it, but I love to go play, hit the ball around. I love the Warriors, man. I love watching, uh, cheering. I, I just, there's so many things I'm into. I love hanging out with my family, taking trips, going to eat some good ethnic food somewhere, trying something new. Me and my wife are very adventuresome when it comes to food. There's so many things I'm passionate about. And when you think about this idea of passion, so often our culture uses that word passion, you know, kind of that Hollywood image of the steamy love scene between a couple, right? That's what we kind of wrap our heads around passion, but it's so much more than that. That's a distorted view of what passion is. Webster says it's a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. It's excitement for something or about doing something. Biblically, passion refers to a strong emotion that begins to control your life. There are a number of, passion is more than an emotion. Passion is sort of like the adverb that sticks to an emotion and like supercharges that emotion and and, and carries it out and it makes you want to do things about whatever it is that feeling is you have. And it can begin to control you. It can cause you to be willing to suffer. And at the top of your outline, there's a little expression there. It says, godly passion, it's not an experience it's a lifestyle. And what we mean by that is it's not just something that, you know, sometimes people have this idea that I love God. I have these warm feelings of love for God. And I go to church and the worship music just touches me. And the pastor talks to me and I feel God speaking to me. And I'm just in, so in love with God. And that's what passion is. 
But it's more than that. It's more than an experience. It's more than just getting somewhere and getting all fired up and emotionally charged. I've had friends, they would drive for hours to go to a certain church because they thought, if I go to that church, I can have that Holy Ghost experience. Do you know what I mean? They got to get excited. Now, your feelings are important. You want to feel God. I had another friend, he bought tickets to fly to another country because he heard that if you went to this church, you could really experience God. And he was pursuing the experience. And passion is more than just the experience. The next part of that saying there says, passion is not Holy Ghost goosebumps, it's Holy Go. When you have true passion for God, it motivates you to do something. It's not just having an experience, that's important, but it's an action it's an action. And so I want you to jump down just a little bit on your outline. We're going to come back to those fill-ins there. But I want you to look at Paul's passion with me for a minute. Because Paul's life that we see in Acts is a perfect picture of godly passion for the mission. Acts 20 says this. Paul says, and now, he's, he's given his testimony. He says, now compelled by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to go to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So God is sending him to Jerusalem. He feels compelled to go. He knows it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But because of his passion, he can't hold back. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's what the book of Acts is all about. The Holy Spirit energizing the church, compelling them with their passion for God, giving them passion for the mission to go and share the good news of God's grace. And in Paul's life, there are three marks of passion we see in his life. You see those three fill-ins there, A, B, C, go back up a little bit. Passion provides focus. Look in that passage we just read. Passion provides focus. What was Paul's focus? My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. Can you underline that phrase? My only aim. Paul had a clear focus in his life because of his passion. Passion produces action. He says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I am going to Jerusalem. Can you write, I am going? Can you underline, I am going to Jerusalem? Paul's compelled. It's not just a warm, mushy feeling. He's going to do something about it. And so he's taken action. And let her see, sacrifice always follows passion, what you're most passionate about. And we see sacrifice, a willingness to sacrifice in Paul's life. Underline this phrase, my life is worth nothing to me. He's facing prison and hardships. He knows he's probably going to die for his faith, but he's so passionate, he's pressing ahead. And so when you think about what you're passionate about, is it, wrong, is it wrong to have hobbies and, and activities and things you enjoy doing that, you, like, that you're, you have some excitement about? Is it wrong to have some passion about other things in your life? Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong at all. In fact, the Bible says God's created the earth and all the things in it for us to enjoy. God wants us to relax and have some fun. But the key thing here to understand is what are you most passionate about? What are you most passionate about in your life? Because that's the key question. And that answer to that question is going to set the course for your life. And you don't want to get that answer wrong. The answer matters. The answer matters. Misplaced passion, whatever you're most passionate about, misplaced passion always leaves us feeling empty. When, what I mean by that is you start pursuing something that you're passionate about. 
Whether it's a steamy romance, whether it's that special girl, that special guy, that certain job, having kids, having this certain experience, this wonderful trip, whatever it is, your, your sports experience, you start pursuing that. And once you achieve whatever it is that you were pursuing, whatever you were most passionate about, once you achieve it, you will wind up feeling a little empty if that's what you're most passionate about. Because those things, those people cannot replace what you were made for. You were made for a relationship with God. If he's not the most passionate thing, what you're most passionate about, if that's not what's directing and driving your life, other things are going to wind up leaving you empty. They're never quite going to satisfy you. They're never going to do it for you. They're not going to fill you up. Paul says this when he, in Romans. He says, my ambition, my passion has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Paul had this heart. He wanted to take the good news about Jesus to some people who never had a chance to hear about it. Never had a chance to hear about it. For me, you know, 30 years ago, I felt God calling me to ministry. And as he began to move me, I felt like God wanted me to move out of the Bible Belt and move to California, a place where many people, I mean, there's churches around, places you can hear about Jesus, but many people have never been clearly communicated with about what Jesus really means and how much he cares about them and how much he loves them. They've never been communicated with in a way that they could understand. And on this journey, God brought me to Crossroads 15 years ago, and I love our vision. I love our vision. You know, we we weren't sitting around over coffee one day making up our vision. I mean, you see what Crossroads is passionate about. It's from the, straight from the Bible. And our mission statement is there on your, your vision statement. To lead seekers to love Christ, love others, and live life on purpose. Straight from the Bible. We want to lead seekers, people who don't know God, who, who, who are looking for meaning or something to fill that emptiness in their life. But we want to lead them to fall in love with Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says... What you should be most passionate about? Jesus said the greatest commandment, when they asked him, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You can't love anything more than that. Jesus said, be most passionate about God. And everything else will fall into place. You can enjoy other things in life. You can do other things. But when you're doing those things, you're doing them for God. You're doing them as a godly person who's trying to leverage your activities and experiences to be a witness for Christ. You're living for God first. And then as Jesus said, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. And we want to lead seekers to love Christ, love others, and then live life on purpose. Be about the mission that Jesus gave us to, to make disciples, to make followers of Christ, to help people fall in love with Jesus and learn how to love others. That's what our mission is all about. If you're most passionate about God, if you're most passionate about Jesus, then what are you going to be, as you begin to live for Christ, what are you going to be most passionate about? What was Jesus most passionate about when you look at his life? I mean, he loved his father, right? But then he loved people. Do you know that Jesus is passionate about each one of you? Do you know Jesus cares about each one of you here today? He was so passionate about you. Look at his life. Look at those three marks of passion. He had focus. Jesus knew what his mission was when he came here. He says, I came to seek and to save those who were lost, those who were far from God, those who were separated from their heavenly father. That was his mission. He took action. He had focus. He left the comforts of heaven to come down to earth. And experience all the hardships of life that we go through because his passion compelled him to take action. 
to take action. And then when you look at his life, you can't see a bigger picture of sacrifice. We will never understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for us because of his passion for us. I mean, it wasn't just the physical pain, but it was bearing all of our guilt and shame upon his soul, upon his spirit, as he hung there physically suffering on the cross for you and me. Jesus is passionate about people. And if I love God the most, then it just makes sense to me. I'm going to be passionate about what matters to God. And that's what our vision is about, leading other people to fall in love with God and begin to teach them to love God, love others, and live their lives on purpose to join us in this mission. And so Jesus has called us to go and make disciples, to carry out this vision. He wants us to multiply. And we give you a lot of practical ways to help you invite your friends. Cal mentioned the invite cards. And uh, we, we try to create services where you can invite your friends, where they can come and connect and see that God really does care about them. And there really is some pra- something practical information in the Bible. It's not just a lot of head knowledge, but God wants to help us have healthy relationships with him and with each other. So what I want to do right now is I want to give you a little spiritual heart checkup. I want you to take a spiritual EKG. I want you to walk through some, a little exercises here in your own mind, in your own heart, and think about three key areas with me. <clears throat> Let's just imagine I could, could plug in some machines and look inside your heart, look inside your soul. Number one, concerns. What or who has your heart and mind? What are you most concerned about? What, are you most, what, what drives your thoughts? What are you thinking about? I mean, you, you got your everyday daily concerns, things you got to take care of, but it, underneath it all, what is driving your life? What are you most concerned about? You know, one way we might test this area in your life, how's your passion in this area? How's your heart? You know, I, I've heard a little murmurings here and there sometimes from people that, you know, they don't like a big church. They don't know if they want to be part of a big church. And I get it. I mean, it's nice when you kind of, I mean, we don't all know each other now, but we kind of know each other. It's got this intimate feeling, and you don't want to get lost in the crowd. And we've designed our church and our groups to help you get past that. I get that little regret, but man, if you're thinking in your heart, you really, man, what you're saying is, I'm not really passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. I'm not really passionate about reaching more people, helping them fall in love with Jesus and love others and live their life. I'm really more passionate about me and my comfort. I mean, we just have to be honest. When you go to the doctor, he tells you things you don't want to hear. He tells me I need to lose 15, 20 pounds. I don't want to hear that. He tells me there's certain things I got to stop eating, certain things I need to do. I don't want to hear that. But if I want to be healthy, I got to listen to what he says. If your heart's telling you, man, I don't, I don't really care. I don't, man, every person matters to God. And if, you don't, if you're not passionate about what matters to Jesus, that's like a warning sign. That's a warning sign. Proverbs says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. <coughs> Excuse me, it determines the direction of your life. So that, that's one thing. What are you most concerned about? Number two would be your checkbook or your online account or however you handle your money. If I could look at your checkbook, I could see where your heart is. Where do you invest your money. What's most important to you? What are you most passionate about? Where, you know, we've all got our basic bills and expenses and it costs a lot of money to put a roof over our heads and food. But after that, how are you investing and using your money? What are you doing? What kind of choices are you making? If I look at your check, if you tell me you're passionate about Jesus and I look at your your checkbook, is it going to show up in how you're handling your money and what you're spending your money for? Jesus said this. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth. 
Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. There your passion will be. Wherever your treasure is, whatever you're investing in, doesn't mean you can't have a nice vacation or you can't buy a new piece of furniture. But if that's, that's what you're, if, if that comes before your passion for God and supporting his work and giving back to him, then you're, that's not what you're, you know, are you most passionate about Christ? Third thing, another tool we could do to give you a little spiritual EKG is if I could look at your calendar or your Google app on your smartphone, where do you invest your time? Where do you spend your time? You know, our most precious resources is our time, our time and energy and our money, our money. But where do we invest our time? So precious. I can't go out and buy more time. Paul warned us to be very careful up on the screen. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Be intentional. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. How are you spending your time? If you tell me you're passionate about Jesus and his mission, and I look at how you spend your time all during the week. Would it show up anywhere on your calendar? If I could see what you did for the last week, could, could I really see, look at your life and say, man, this guy's passionate for Jesus. He's spending time. Even though he's so busy, he's spending time getting into God's word. And he's trying to love his coworkers and share Christ and invite them to church. And, and man, he shows up. He'd rather be at home in bed on Sunday morning. But he shows up and he serves and he teaches those kids. Is this showing up anywhere in your calendar? As you go through this little EKG, some of you know you got some, you got some heart issues. You're in trouble. You need to take some action. You realize, I got a passion problem. I, I love God. I care about God. But I, if I'm honest, it's not what I'm, he's not what I'm most passionate about. His mission is not what drives me, my love for God and what he's called me to do. And it's important, but it's not most important. It's not what's really the passion of my life. And what are you going to do? How do you get past that? How do you break through that when your passion is low? Maybe you're just tired and you're discouraged. Your passion is low. John Maxwell said, I've never seen an individual reach his potential without passion. Without passion, we stop dreaming and we settle for survival. We relinquish heartfelt vision in exchange for security and comfort. Let me, let me rephrase that first part a little bit. I've never seen an individual reach his God-given potential without passion for God. I've never seen an individual live a peace-filled, passion-driven, you know, fulfilling life without a passion for God. And so I want to spend the rest of our time talking about how can you, how can you fuel your passion? How can you get your spiritual heart healthy again? And so number one, you've got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You want to get your spiritual heart strong, you've got to turn to God, our, our doctor, our spiritual doctor, our father. There's a story in the Old Testament. I can't go into all the details. It's a great story. You have to read it about David. And he is leading these guys, and they went out on a, a raiding their enemies. And he came back to his village, his town, his camp, and he found out that some people had come and raided them while they were gone. And they'd taken all their women, all their wives, and all their children and run off with them. So they went from this great victory to this you know, huge defeat. And not only was he defeated... But his friends, his buddies, his soldiers, they just had this great victory. They turned on him. And in 1 Samuel 30, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Can you underline that phrase? David found strength. He found the energy to keep going, the passion to keep moving ahead because he turned to God. 
Man, when you, when you get beat down in life, you experience some, some things that just rob you of your joy. And they will begin to sap your passion. But David knew where to... David knew he didn't... He, man, everybody wants to kill me. Somebody stole my wife and kids. What am I going to do? I'm going to go down to the bar and drink till I don't care anymore. He didn't turn to alcohol to solve his problems. He didn't go down to, his, to the drug dealer down on the corner. He turned to God. He said, man, what am I, where am I going to get help? How am I going to get through this? I, I'm defeated. I don't have any passion left. He turned to God. You know, we can relate to David because there's times we just feel, man, we feel beat up and beat down. I, I just, my family, man, I'll just be real honest. We're in a tough season. Every one of my kids is facing their own unique challenges. And that puts a lot of pressure, on, extra pressure on me and my wife. And she's back in the classroom this year. And she's just emotionally draining her. And so we're just dealing with one problem and one issue and this and that. And then, you know, with the building project and there's some challenges with that. And just a lot of things going on, man. I, sometimes I go, man, life is just so hard. It kind of sucks right now. Man, I, what, what, what am I, how am I going to handle this? In the midst of all these struggles and problems... Man, I've been, I've been turning to God even more than ever. I feel like God's really helping me. He's strengthening me. He's giving me hope and encouragement. And I'm just being honest, God, sometimes I, I don't feel a lot of passion. There's so many problems weighing me down. Can you fill me up with your spirit? Can you give me some passion? And the Bible doesn't really tell us how David, what he did when he found his strength in God. I don't know what that looked like for him. Maybe he went out in the woods and he wrote another psalm. Maybe he got down on his face and prayed. Maybe he just took a walk. Maybe he went to the beach. Maybe he just got some quiet time alone. I don't know what he did. But he, he turned to God. And you know, sometimes if your passion is low, because let's be honest, you've got some things in your life that are interfering with your relationship with God. And the Bible calls those things sin. You've got some issues. You've got some struggles. And let me be clear, when you're more passionate about your agenda or your hobbies or your events than you are, when you're more passionate about something else besides God and his mission for your life, that's sin. That's idolatry. You're putting something else in your life before God. And there's, there's nothing will drain your passion like unconfessed sin. Nothing will drain your passion like unconfessed sin. Maybe there's an activity, an attitude, things are out of line, and you know you love God, and man, I got 90%, I'm following God, but you got this little area over here. You just don't want to do what God, you know God's telling you to do. That will drain your passion. That will just eat you up from the inside. But here's the good news. I love this verse in Acts chapter 3. Now repent of your sins. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. If your passion needs some refreshment, needs some refueling, needs a charge, maybe examine your heart. Ask God to show you, is there anything in your life that's just draining you of your passion? An area where you're putting something ahead of God and confess and make it right with God. So you strengthen yourself in the Lord. That's so important. Number two, get connected. Stay connected. Passion is fueled by community. Passion is fueled by being around other people who are passionate. And we, we spent some time looking at the story of the early church a few weeks ago. I just want to briefly touch on Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to being together, to being in unity together. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together. They were in community in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
They were together. They were, they were around other people who were, had passion. They were, they were feeding each other. You, you know, I have three boys. You ever get, notice when you get, especially, you know, tweener, eight, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old boys together, and you get them together, maybe even a little younger, they just feed off each other's energy. They, you put two or three boys in the room, and the energy level goes from here to here. You ever experience that? Like, it's just like they feed off each other. Well, that's what happens when you get in community with other people. You, 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 it's so important to come together and worship together and look at God's word together. It's even more important to get into a small group with some other people. And when your passion's low, man, you can just open up. You trust these people and you can say, you know what? I'm really struggling. I'm not feeling a lot of passion for God right now. I'm having some, it's hard. You guys pray for me. You get around and you see the passion in their life. I'll tell you what. I love working with Pastor Paul because he's got so much passion for God and for the mission. It just, it, it rubs off on you when you get around other people. You have to be in community. Passion is contagious. That's the fill in there under number two. Passion is contagious. Get into a small group. Go online, sign up. If you're new, you've never been in a group, you can join me and some people on Wednesday nights. We meet in the room in the lobby. You can join us in the new, uh, newcomers group. Never been in a group before. You've been here a while. You never tried it. You're welcome to come try out my group. But get into a group. And then it, the Bible tells us, let us consider. Think about. Be intentional. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. You've got to make a commitment. You know, you know, when your passion gets low, the first thing you want to do is kind of stay home and Oh man, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to go. It's hard. You need to drag yourself out the door and get to your group or get to church because when you get connected around some other people, they'll begin to refill your passion. Now, I want to invite a family up here that, uh, with the Griders come on up, Shay and Chris, TJ and Brooklyn, you guys come on up. And do we have our microphones? And uh, would you guys welcome them? Get up. I want. Okay, get all your clapping out right now. I don't want you to clap again for them till the end, okay? Because they're going to share with you a little bit. So we want to encourage them. And I want to tell you right now, I've known this family for about two years. And I see a lot of passion in their life. And they, they fuel my passion. I love being around them. And I wanted them to share a little bit with you of some, some things that happened in their life along the way that, that kind of give us some passion. We hear their story. So let me ask you guys, what was your life like before you came to Crossroads, your, your marriage, your family? What were things like? A lot of anger, a lot of cursing, a lot of just disconnection in the home. Um, um, quite honestly, um, a lot of hopelessness. Our marriage uh, couldn't survive the, um, the path that we were going down. Uh, there was also a lot of uh, individualism. We tend to not do things together, and we were just often on our own. Okay, so, selfishness. Right. So how's Christ changed your life and your family? What's different two years later? I mean, I know everything's not perfect, but, but how are things different? Um, we're more connected, and we're on the same page when we're, like, discussing things. And arguments aren't really arguments. They're just discussions. There's not really much yelling anymore. I listen to my children more and my husband and their needs instead of feeling like I'm being attacked. All right. How did, how did Christ, you know, Christ comes into our life. He changes us when we turn to God. But how did God use Crossroads in this journey? How did God use our church to help you guys find your passion? 
Well, right off the bat, um, I joined the life group right away um, with my wife, and we just dove in and got involved and wanted to be a part of the team that was already welcoming here from the first day we got here. The welcome team was so great, and we just wanted to be a part of the team and give back some of that energy and some of that um, goodwill that God has given us to the newcomers and the people that came to Crossroads. Well, joining our first life group, I met a lot of different people that I never thought I would have relationships with or bonds. Then I continued into a leadership group that grew me even closer to God and understanding myself. And I built these relationships with people that I truly and honestly love. And I know that we'll be friends for a very, very long time now. Hmm. Did you want to say something? No. All right. So... How did God, uh, last thing I want to ask you is, you guys serve all over the church. I mean, you're so faithful. You serve every week. Why do you serve? What motivates you guys to serve? Um, I feel that I serve because um, by joining, like, the core team and things, I've uh, just made bonds that can never be broken. And I'm very thankful for uh, Crossroads for giving me those friendships and bonds. Well, um, I serve on the high school ministry with, Mike and TJ and a few other great leaders. And um, I just like being around some of your kids. You guys got some amazing children and um, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that um, I wish when I was their age I sort of knew I wanted to be like they do. So it's just my honor and my pleasure to be a part of that. I serve in the fourth, fifth, sixth graders. And I just want to please God. And I just want to make a difference in the world and have these kids know that they're not alone and that they're truly loved. I serve on Casey Crew and Kids Zone, and I do it because I know what's going to make God happy. All right. All right. They're not leaving yet, but you guys can clap for them now. Now, I just want to say something else, and we're going to say a blessing for them. You know, these guys serve all over the church. High school ministry uh, helps me lead. Chris helps me lead my group. She's mentioned 456. Uh, Brooklyn's leading younger children over in our kids' ministry. Shay's on the parking team. TJ's on the parking team, and he's with the high school ministry. And, and here's the thing. When I'm around them, it motivates me. It inspires me. It encourages me because I see them. I see their passion and their heart to make a difference. I see their love for God. I see what God's doing in their life. When you start to serve, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but when you start to serve, you get to be a part of that. You get to, be, you get to see God working in people's lives, and you want to give it to others because of what God has done for you. And when I'm around these folks, it makes me want to be better. Man, once a month, Shay and I go, we have lunch, and we talk, and he encourages me, and we share together. And I just, I just want to tell you, I've fallen in love with this family. And you know, God, God's done some amazing things in Chris's life and her company, and she's grown and grown in her confidence here, her leadership skills. She's got a big promotion, but because of that, they're going to be moving to Texas. And we want to say a blessing for them. But as we say a blessing for them, I want to talk about this in a minute. They're leaving some big, big holes to fill. They're leaving some big holes. So if you're comfortable, would you just lift a hand for me? We want to pray God's blessing on this family. God, thank you for TJ and Brooklyn and Chris and Shay. Thank you for their, that they've fallen in love with you. And their passion is not just a feeling. It's not just something that makes them feel better about themselves and removes the guilt, but their passion has driven them to take action and to make sacrifices. It's given them focus in their life, God, and you're using them across this church to help make a difference in other people's lives. And as they go, would you bless them? 
And would you provide just the right church, family, and home for them to serve in and be a part of as they go? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. So, here's the thing. Man, there's a picture of what we're talking about. Somebody who's got passion for Christ and passion for the, the mission, and they're leaving. And I've warned them. If they don't find a church to serve in in Texas, I'm going to come and hunt them down. They've been such a blessing to me. They're already looking for a church there. I'm sad. It's sad, but I know I'll see them again. I know I'll see them again, but they're leaving some big holes. Who's going to step up and fill their shoes? I mean, God's tapping some of you on the shoulder saying, it's your time. I mean, the whole family's serving. Most of them in more than one ministry. All across this church family. And it kind of leads me, man... There's something about serving. It sounds like you're, you're making a sacrifice when you serve. You're giving up your time. You're giving up your energy. It kind of sounds, man, if, if you don't understand it, it kind of sounds like a chore. But man, when you see someone like them serve, and so many of you who serve, when you serve, God uses that service to fuel your passion because you're obeying your Heavenly Father. You're serving. You're stepping out. And you're doing what He's called you to do. And you feel His blessing. And you feel His energy through His Spirit. And it just excites you. And then you get to see how God's working. And so there's three things that will help fuel your passion. We talked about strengthening yourself in God. We talked about getting connected in community. And before I give you the third feeling, I just want you to know I prayed and thought very carefully about the wording of number three because I want you to understand the passion behind it. I want you to get it. So number three is get off your ass and serve somewhere. You got to serve somewhere. Now if you're here, if you're here and, and you're checking things out and you're not a follower of Christ, if you're not a follower of Christ, not talking to you. I mean, if you want to help out, great. If you're here and you got little ones at home or you're caring for a dying parent or you've got a disease, I'm not talking to you. But 90% of you in this room who are following Christ and you got some time and energy that you're investing in other things, if you're really passionate about God and his ministry, if you really love Jesus and his ministry, it's going to show up in your calendar. You're going to be serving somewhere and it matters. Man, when Shay and his family, they came to church, there were people here who gave up their Sunday morning who made them feel welcomed, made them feel safe, made them feel comfortable to come back. There were people here to pour into their kids, so their kids wanted to be here. And now, look, their kids are serving. And if you're here and you're following Christ and you say, oh, I love God, I feel good, but you're not doing anything, then I would say, where's your passion? What are you most passionate about? Now, God's called some people to serve out in the community. It doesn't all happen here in the church. God's called some of your primary ministry, maybe outside the walls here with, with homeless people or, or helping people, you know, tutoring kids after school or whatever it might be. But God's called you to do something intentionally to share Christ. He didn't call you and save you and leave you here on this planet just to sit back and feel what, we, what our culture describes as passion. Man, I felt good. Church was good today. The music was good Pastor didn't step on my toes too much. Made me feel good. Told, no. Passionate motivates you to do something. We need your help. God's, this is how God's designed it to work. He's called us to this mission. I just want to close. I want to look at one last story from Acts. And this, this story gives us a principle that I'm going to apply to our serving. 
It's not, it's not just about, it's not specifically about serving, but there was a, a king or a governor of one area under Rome named Felix. And Paul was in prison. He'd gotten in trouble again with the religious leaders. They got him in, thrown in jail. Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, Drusilla, who was Jewish, sending for Paul. They listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus, as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment. Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. You underline that phrase, when it is more convenient. Now, Felix wasn't a believer yet. I don't know if he ever... But Felix, man, he knew. If this is real, if I'm going to put my faith and trust in Christ, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. I'm going to have to take some action. It's going to change my life. I'm going to have to give up some things. I'm going to have to start doing something. And it wasn't very convenient. It wasn't convenient. He said, I'll call for you again when it's convenient. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him. He wanted to get something from Paul. After two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. Man, it wasn't convenient for two years for him to make this life change. If God's called you, maybe God's calling you right now. And you're like, you're kind of like Felix. You know it's going to cost you. It's just not convenient. There's some things in your life you know are going to have to change. You're going to have to be different. Man, God's calling you. He's tugging on your heart. Don't put him off for two years. His call might get a little more faint. If God's calling you to serve, don't put him off for two years because it's not convenient. If God's calling you to serve, if you don't step out and start doing what God's called you to do, your passion is going to go like this. It's just going to plummet. You're going to lose your passion. You can't wait. I mean, that's the number one reason people don't serve, because it's not convenient. And we have a lot of people, if we have a one-time opportunity, they'll step up and serve. But man, you don't want to serve every week. God's calling some of you to serve every week. To come and teach some kids, or help with some kids, or love on some teenagers, or be on the welcome team, or be on the site sound, whatever it might be. But God's calling you. That's going to help fuel your passion when you get involved. Somehow, as you give, you get It's going to help fuel your passion. Because of my sacrifice, because of my passion, I'm going to, I'm going to have focus. What's the most, when I play golf, if I meet some other guy, I don't know, man, I try to work that conversation around to being able to share my faith with him in some way. When I come to church, man, I'm willing to park on the street and sacrifice, even if it's raining, even if I'm carrying a bunch of stuff in, because I want some, somebody who's new to have a spot here where they feel comfortable and welcome. I'll I'll move over when people come in and it gets crowded because I'm willing to sacrifice and to serve. But find your place. In just a moment, we're going to have some baptisms. These people, have they've they've come to a place in their life where they recognize that, man, I got a heart problem. I got some sins. I can't fix myself. And they've They've, they've turned to God. They've strengthened themselves in the Lord. They've come to this church. They've invited Christ into their life. They're getting connected in the community. And they're here to give you a witness of what Jesus has already done in their life. Baptism doesn't save them. It's just giving you a picture of what Jesus did for them. His, Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They're taking a stand to encourage you in your faith. And when I see these baptisms, it fuels my passion. And so, Paul, why don't you come? I, I had the... Uh...
the privilege, the joy again to be in a group with Allison last summer in cross-training. She took her commitment very seriously, had a lot of, she's got a great mind and a great heart. She shared a lot of good things in class. She's gotten involved on our parking team out there when people drive in, making them feel welcome and loved and helping them find a place to know where to go. And I'm so, I I really appreciate your heart, Allison, to get involved and to serve. And I believe God's going to continue to use you in just amazing ways. And before I baptize you, I want to ask you, have you personally trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and asking to be the Lord of your life. Yes. Great. It's my joy and privilege to baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. So when, when you see a baptism, it just shows us why our passion for the mission and for Jesus matters, because Jesus has called us to share what he's done for us, to share it with others. That's why we're here as a church. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to share his love with others. And these folks have given you a witness of what God has done in your life. And maybe you're here and you've invited Jesus into your life, but you haven't, you haven't obeyed him by getting baptized yet. And maybe it's time. You want to put on your card. We're going to take an offering in just a moment. Maybe you want to put on your communication card, I'm ready to get baptized. Maybe you have some questions. What does this mean? What is this all about? We'd, we'd love to sit down with you and talk to you, help answer your questions. We're not going to twist your arm. When you have some questions, you can put that on your communication card. Maybe some of you are ready to take that step and say, I, I got to find a place to serve. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is, but we'll talk to you. We'll help you. We'll help you find a place to serve. And I always say, use that trial and error method. You jump in, you try something out for a while, you evaluate until you, you find the right fit. But don't sit back. God's called you. If you love Jesus, it's going to show up in your life, and God's called you to help us. And we're going to have an offering. If you're here as a guest, we don't ask you to give financially. Just share your communication card with us. And as, as we're taking the offering, the band is going to lead us in a great song that reminds us of what it means to be passionate for the mission that God has called us to. So I'd like to pray, and then the band's going to lead us. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing in this church, in our lives. And God, would you, would you fuel our passion for you and for your mission. Help us to be a church that's known for, as, for our love for you and our love for others, God, and continue to help us to multiply and share your love with this community around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. <laughs>